Resurrection Sunday. You know, today is an uh, exciting, little bit emotional day for me because it's not only Resurrection Sunday, while that's the most important thing, it's also our six year anniversary. Yeah. Six years ago this day, it was actually on a Saturday night. Our first service was on a Saturday night in the old theater uh, on Main Street. And there's another church meeting in there today for their first service in that building today. Uh, They're not a new church. They've been uh, in ministry for not quite as long as we have, but they moved in and... uh, remodeled, did some remodeling, because since we've been in, I think there's been two other churches in there, and an online gambling casino. But I told him, there's enough Holy Spirit in there from when we was in there, that that gambling casino had no effect on it. I said, you can have a great Easter Sunday. I said, he said, why, just because there's enough spirit left in there? I said, well, you said it. But he's a, he's a, a... a dear brother, and I'm excited for them. I uh, praying for them today. But as I, I did something this week as I was studying that I haven't, I, I've only done a couple of times, and that's listen to myself. <laughs> you know, I wanted I wanted to go back and hear what that first son that first service was. It was, uh, as I said, it was the fifth of two thousand and nine. And I went back and I listened and I teared up and I, <clears throat> I thought, man, that's a good word right there. That preacher's preaching. <laughs> but I normally don't, don't make a habit of, I haven't made a habit of doing that. And after I got through the initial, you know, have any of you ever heard yourself? You know, I said, do I really sound like that? But then once I started preaching and I started listening to what was being said and not to my voice, I was being ministered to. <laughs> I hope that doesn't offend anybody, but... It's true. God blessed me through me. <laughs> That's just the way it was. I'm thankful for it, man. It was, it was sweet. But as I, as I did, one of the reasons I wanted to, because today is that anniversary, but I wanted to go back and say, God, I remember why you birthed us. And I want to make sure that I'm true to who you called us to be from the very beginning. Who we is the river. If we say this is who God established us as, and this is why he's called us to, to start this ministry, I wanted to hear afresh and anew what that was about to me at that day. And I am excited because as I look at where we are and what I feel like God is, is doing in and among us, I think that we've been very true to it. And what's so amazing in that is I started up and I went, and we'll probably go there today, Ezekiel 47, if you've seen any of our shirts or even our logo or stuff like that. It says Ezekiel 47, 9 on it. That's a scripture that, our, that the Lord put in my heart when he told us to start this ministry. And one of the things that was so cool is last week, if you'll remember, <clears throat> one of the things that I shared last week is I talked about the importance of the body. Y'all remember that? We, went, we looked at 1 Corinthians, and I said we didn't quite get to 1 Corinthians 12. That's where I had planted on landing, landing because 1 Corinthians 12 talks about the body and the gifts in the body. No, that's, is that 12 or 14? I just went totally blank. Thank God I got my Bible. Let's see. Romans, Corinthians. Come on, 12 is the gifts, right? Yeah. Thank you, Lord. I thought I missed it for a minute. It's okay, too. But I was, one of the first things that I talked about is, uh, when I listened to that first message that I shared uh, to the congregation, is I talked about in there about the importance of the body being the body and the body being equipped. You know, when Stephen talked about our trip to the DR this year, he said there's so many gifts in our body that we want to utilize those gifts. And the Lord has just really uh, stirred in me afresh and anew the importance of us operating as a body. Not independent of ourselves, but operating as a body. And he's had me in Romans he's, uh, Romans 12. He's had me in 1 Corinthians 12. He's had me in Ephesians where he talks about the body and the importance of us functioning that way. And one of the things, the first thing that I said in, in my message from six years ago is that I believe the Lord has called the river to be a church that equips the body to be who God's called them to be. 
that not that I equip you to be like me or to be like uh, Ben or to be like John or to be like Steve. I equip you to be who God's called you to be. That we understand the importance that each of us play in, the, in the, this end-time move of God and in, in Jesus receiving his full reward in everything that he paid for. Are you with me? As I was looking at all that uh, and just meditating, I thought, God, you're so good. I've told you, and this, <laughs> uh, just hear me out. I've said this more than once. God does more in my life accidentally than I can ever do on purpose. And what I mean is not that God has accidents. Okay? You understand? What I'm saying is God has done more in my life by, by me not just being that methodical person who always thinks that is not who I am. I'm the spontaneous one. And the Lord has just been so gracious to me that in my spontaneity, he'll put things in order. It looks like I know what I'm doing. Does that make sense? Because that's where I live. And I was just thinking as I was studying this week, and I was looking at how the Lord has just really put in my heart. You know, if, if there's a, a passion in my heart today for us as a body, if there's a passion in my heart that I want everyone to know about, where does the river stand? There's some things that are key to me. One is it's about relationship. It began with that way, and it'll end with that way. It's all about relationship. God, when he created man, he, he said he wanted, he created man to fellowship with him. Then when he saw man by himself, he said, it's not good that what? Man's alone. So he created him a helpmeet, woman, woman. She came from man. So beautiful, that, that picture that he took woman out of man so that man would not be alone. And then when Christ was on the cross, they pierced his side and blood and water come out. It came out of his side, which happens at birth. And it was... The church being birthed out of the side of Jesus. We were in there all along. <laughs> Ephesians says that. If I, if I'm, pray for me, okay? Because I've got so much I want to say, but I don't want to be a fire hydrant where you just drowned. And I, I don't want us to have to be here till 2 because Stephen's already said it's Easter Sunday and it's not a day. He can throw up deuces when we're done. But as I looked at that, and I, I was just meditating on the reality that here we are, we're six years later, and that the passion of my heart has stayed the same, and that's to not just be another. You know, in Alamance County alone, and I don't have the statistics for current day, but in 2009, there was 400-plus churches in Alamance County. In Alamance and Guilford counties together, there's over 600, like 670,000 people. In Gibsonville, there's around 6,700 people. From 2009 to, uh, to 2015 that we're in, Gibsonville alone has grown... Uh, over 600 people, I think is what it is, Gets till 2013, not to 2015, from 2009 to 2015. And I was looking at all that, and I was thinking, you know, there's churches everywhere. In Gibsonville, no bigger than Gibsonville is, there are churches everywhere. And I'm thankful for those churches. I, as most of you know, I pray together. I pray with, with five other pastors every week. I pray with a Lutheran pastor, with a, a retired Presbyterian pastor. I pray with a Baptist pastor. I pray with an Assembly of God pastor and a non-denominational pastor and me. And we pray together every week. Uh, if you were able to make it, Friday night we had our Good Friday service. One of my dear friends, Bruce, uh, Bruce Ritter, he's one of the pastors I pray with every week from Christian Life Assembly. He's an Assembly of God pastor. So I don't think that we're the only church for Gibsonville, but I do think God put us here strategically. I think that we're here for a purpose, and that that purpose is that the risen, resurrected Christ be seen in us and through us. That we owe the world an encounter with the living God. Amen.
the, the difference, not in the river and other churches in, in Guilford and Alamance County, but the difference in us and religion is this. Our God is alive. His tomb is empty. You know, one of the things I just uh, I teared up as I was listening because in there, in, wow, in Ezekiel 47, and we'll go there. If you want to turn there, you can because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump to that in just a moment. Ezekiel 47, I made reference in there of the temple, and it talked about the, the river coming out of the temple. And I said, the temple, the temple in Jerusalem is what he was referring to. And I said, one of these days, I'm going to see Jerusalem. I'm going to the new Jerusalem. The, to Jerusalem. I said, I'm going to see the new Jerusalem and the old one. My wife is satisfied with the new one. She didn't care about traveling to Israel. I was, I was saying, no, I want to go. I didn't know how it was going to happen. I said, but it's a desire of my heart. And I know the Lord will do it. And two years ago in January, I went to Israel for about $600. It's unheard of. It's unheard of. The plane tickets alone are about $1,600 that God made a way. He made a way. That's who he is. And we cannot dumb down our God to fit inside of our box, inside of our experience. We cannot base our theology on our personal experience nor the, uh, the experience of those whom we love. It can only be based on the truth of the Word of God. That's it. That, it's not what I feel. It's not what I've experienced. It's what the Word of God says. And in Ezekiel 47, he talked about this river that flows out. Before I go there, I want to read a passage to you. John chapter 7, verses 37 through 39. And you stay in Ezekiel because I'm going there as soon as I finish. It says, on the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the Scripture said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. He was saying the Holy Spirit has not yet been given, because Jesus has not yet died been buried and resurrected. That was when Jesus was glorified, when he, just, when he took his position where he is right now beside the Father. You know what's so beautiful about that? When he was resurrected, the Word of God says we were resurrected with him. Just as we died with him in Christ, we were resurrected with him, and we are now seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That's where we are. That's a present reality. Now, does that line up with our emotions every morning? Probably not. Does that line up with our experience every day? Probably not. But does that make an excuse to accept what we experience as the norm or even as the rule? Is it what God expects from us? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. The resurrected Christ is seated. He's glorified. And he said here, he said, out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. So what I want us to understand is we are not the river, but we contain the river. There's so many analogies out of Ezekiel 47 that you can get lost if you don't stay with me, okay? And I'll probably be able to lose you. I'm not going to try. I'm not trying to take a walk today. I want to lead. You know the difference, right? The difference between leading and taking a walk is when, you, when you're leading, people follow. When you're walking, you're all alone. I don't want to walk today. I want to lead. So Ezekiel 47. I'm going to read... From the New Living Translation. It says this In my vision, Ezekiel 47, verse 1. In my vision, the man brought me back to the entrance of the temple. There I saw a stream flowing east beneath the door of the temple and passing to the right of the altar on its south side. The, brand, the man brought me outside the wall through the north gateway and led me around to the eastern entrance. Then I could see the water flowing out of the south side to, of the east gateway. Measuring as he went, he took me along the stream for 1,750 feet. And then he led me across. The water was up to my ankles. He measured off another 1,750 feet and led me across again. This time the water was up to my knees. After another 1,750 feet, it was up to my waist. Then he measured another 1,750 feet, and the river was too deep to walk across. It was deep enough to swim, but too deep to walk through. If you add all those up, it's equal 7,000 feet. 
divine completion, divine perfection. 7,000 feet. When was it complete? When it was too deep to walk in. He asked me, have you been watching, son of man? Then he led me back along, along the riverbank. When I returned, I was surprised by the sight of many trees growing on both sides of the river. Then he said to me, this river flows east through the desert into the valley of the Dead Sea. The waters of this stream will make salty waters of the Dead Sea fresh and pure. <laughs> One of the things I made mention of is I said, you know, I've heard that in the Dead Sea, it's so mineral rich and the water so dense that you can't even really swim in it. You just float. You know what? I haven't just read about that. I haven't just seen pictures of it. I've experienced it. If you're afraid of water, you could swim in the Dead Sea. All you got to do is move. You're going to go somewhere. You're not going to go down. You can't go down. You can do this. I, had, I would do this right here just to get my head up to where it was about ear level, and I'd stop and I'd pop up like a cork. It was cool. It wasn't cold. It was cool. It was January. But I was determined I was going to get in that Dead Sea. It's so thick. And it, this is true. You know, we, I think that even in some of our prophecy of end times, stuff, I think we've missed it, in the, where we think that, that the world's, the, uh, all the superpowers want the oil. There's oil in other places other than Israel. But you know what? It's, it, uh, scientists have said, that if you, were to mine, if you were to drain the Dead Sea and mine all the minerals out of the Dead Sea and in the water itself, it's worth billions, if not trillions of dollars. Just the Dead Sea. It's so many. I mean, they had shops everywhere around the Dead Sea set up, and they were selling it. There's one in Greensboro at the mall. Diana met the people who run it. They're from Israel. And uh, they sell this stuff. These, it's amazing. You should have seen the men in the Dead Sea with mud all over their face because of the way it makes you feel. I mean, you're, you just, it's awesome. I'm just saying. We look like a bunch of kids playing in a mud puddle. A bunch of grown men with mud smeared all over their face. And, and you know what they said? And I didn't listen. I'm sharp like that sometimes. They said, look, I, guys, the, morning, the day that we go to the Dead Sea, don't shave. Because the, the minerals are so strong, it'll burn you. You know what I did? Hey, hallelujah. I'm not going to go looking scruffy in Israel. I'm going to look nice. It looked like... <laughs> it was not pretty. It was all red and swole up. My tender little neck and all them, chem uh, them minerals. <laughs> I didn't listen. Sometimes, sometimes I do that. Honey, don't look at Brianna like that. But as I, I thought about that, where he said this Dead Sea, he's, if you continue reading, he said, the rivers flow east through the desert into the valley of the Dead Sea. The waters of this stream will make salty waters of the Dead Sea fresh and pure. Listen. He said, the, there will be swarms of living, living things wherever the water of this river flows. Fish will abound in the Dead Sea, for its waters will become fresh. Life will flourish wherever this water flows. Life will flourish wherever this water flows. So I've been to the Dead Sea. I've seen how, how dead it is. They actually have a little, uh, a little it looks like a pier, and it's an, uh, a metal statue they made. It. It's a guy... And he's got a fishing pole, and on the fishing pole, there's a skeleton of a fish. Because <laughs> it's dead sea, but you know, I can catch anything in it. You got it? Okay. <laughs> but it's right there at the Dead Sea. It's like this sculpture, I guess is what you'd call it. And I was like, that's funny right there. <laughs> but you know what? It's prophetic that there's coming a day, there's not going to be dead fish in, that, in the Dead Sea. There's going to be life in it. But paralleling to us today, Psalms says this, Psalms 1, verse 3. It 
see, this is the beauty, as I said, of the Lord, the way he works and the way he weaves the tapestry in my life, that my passion is just to know him and to make him known. I'm not that person that's so methodical and that's, uh, that's into the details, meticulous about the details, that's that organized. That's not who I am. But as I pursue him, it's, a, it's so amazing how beautifully he weaves my life together. And if you'll remember a few weeks ago when Stephen spoke, he talked about the importance of the Word of God. He talked about how important it is to meditate in the Word of God. And after that, I spoke out of Joshua and talked about the importance of spending time in the Word of God. Y'all remember that? For those who listen, that's a joke. I'm sorry. Psalms 1 verse 3 says, Oh, the joys of those. Some translations, this is New Living again. Some translations say, Blessed is... Of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join in with mockers, but they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. That sounds a little bit like Joshua, doesn't it? Joshua 1. What did, what did God tell Joshua? He said, this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall what? Meditate in it what? Day and night. And then you'll be what? You'll have good success. You remember that? He said, meditating on it day and night. They are like trees, listen, planted by the ri- along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season. Their, lives never wi- their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all they do. What did it say in Ezekiel 47? He said, I looked. When I returned, I was surprised by the sight of many trees growing on both sides of the river. As you continue to re- uh, read down in Ezekiel 47, I stopped where I talked about the verse 9, we go to verse 10. Fishermen will stand along the shores of the Dead Sea, all the way from Engedi to Engalim. In, yeah, Engalim. Anyway, the shores will be covered with nets drying in the sun. Fish of every kind will fill the Dead Sea, just as they fill the Mediterranean. But the, but the marshes and swamps will not be purified. But they will be salty. Verse 12, fruit trees of all kinds will grow along both sides of the river. The leaves of these trees will never turn brown and fall, and there will always be fruit on their branches. There will be a new crop every month, for they are watered by the river flowing from the temple. (laughs) The fruit will be for the food and the leaves for healing. Jeremiah 17, 7, 8 says, But blessed are those who trust in the Lord and have made the Lord their hope and confidence. They are like trees planted along a riverbank with roots that reach deep into the water. Such trees are not bothered by the heat or worried by long months of drought. Their leaves stay green and they never stop producing fruit. Their leaves stay green and they never stop producing fruit. Listen, You remember I've said so many times, we can get caught up when we understand who lives in us. We can get caught up and think there's things that we have to do. Well, John 15 says what we need to do is stay connected to the vine. Right? Work with me. We stay connected to the vine. He's the vine, we're the what? As we're connected to the vine, what happens? We bear fruit. Fruit comes out of the branches that stays connected to the vine. Can you see how this is all woven together? He's talking here about the river. When the river, what is that river? I believe that that river that he's talking about is the spirit of the living God. According to John's gospel, in John chapter 4, you can read, he talks about salvation. And in salvation, he said it would be like a well that springs up on the inside of you. Here's what I know from experience, that a well cannot sustain a lot of people. You can run a well dry. I, never, I always lived in the city. But Tina lived in the country. And they filled up a pool one time and run a well dry, didn't they? That was not a happy day. You can run a well dry. Here's what I've also seen is I've had the privilege of traveling to third world countries. What I've seen is you know where they build their houses? They build them around the river. You see that in, even, in the Old Testament when they traveled. They would travel around the river. Why? Because there's life in the river. The water and the, the food that's in the river, it brings life everywhere it goes. In John chapter 4, we have a well, and it's Jesus talking about salvation. In John chapter 7, we have a river, and it's referencing the Holy Spirit of God and His, his work 
in us and out of us. Are you with me? And it's that river, that power of the Holy Spirit, not our religion, not what we've been taught, but a vital relationship with the living God through the power of the Holy Spirit that flows out of us and reaches people around us. That's the life that's flowing out. That's the life that's connected to the vine. It's a branch that bears fruit. And we can look at the Bible where it talks about the fruit of the Spirit. We can look and we can see the gifts of the Spirit, which I think are fruit as well. In 1 Corinthians 12, there are the gifts of the Spirit. You can see those. And God wants to use those in us and through us. We were talking just the other night in our small group. I'm a fire hydrant, aren't I? That was like a fire hydrant. I didn't even take a breath when I switched gears. You strip out a clutch or a gear like that, won't you? We were talking about the gifts of the Spirit, and I said, I believe that people can function. They can have a gift that they operate strongly in. But the gifts of the Spirit, I believe that it talks about those gifts of the Spirit. One of the things it's talking about, it's like a toolbox that whatever you need at that moment, you can flow in and out of that gift. Are you with me? The nine gifts of the Spirit is what I'm referencing. 1 Corinthians 12, he said, now concerning, verse 1, now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that, there, uh, that you were Gentiles carried away with, to those dumb idols, however you were leaving <laughs> that awesome. I just love that. You were carried away to those dumb idols. <laughs> At least you didn't call them dumb, the people. Therefore, I make it known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus a curse, and no one can say that, the, the Lord, that Jesus is Lord except by Holy Spirit. There are diversity of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are diversity of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversity of activities, but it is the same God who works in, works all, and works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. This is what I want us to hear. It's Resurrection Sunday. We're supposed to talk about Jesus coming out of the grave. He came out of the grave, and the Bible says when he did, he gave gifts to men. He triumphed over Satan and his authority. He says, as a matter of fact, I've given you all authority. He didn't just give us power. He gave us authority. There's a huge difference in power and authority. I've got power to pick this up. I've got, a th- I've got authority. As a fireman, when I put on my vest, I've got authority to stop traffic. I don't have power to stop traffic. If they don't obey the vest that I've got on, they run me slap over. As a matter of fact, this morning... <laughs> This morning, I went and parked my Jeep across the street, and I was thinking about my message. I was just walking. I was blowing out of the parking lot across the street, and I thought, self, you better look. You better look. So I stopped, and I looked, and there was a car coming. And in my mind, I said, I could have just turned a flip over there. I could have got hit. It would have been my fault because I was in the zone. I was just walking. I was coming back across the street to serve the Lord. And I stopped right when I got in. I thought, I looked up, and the car said, I was like, Thank you, Jesus. I'm sharp like that. If I'd have had my vest on, I'd have said, stop. I'm just kidding. <laughs> There's a difference in authority and power. But he didn't say, I've just given you one. He said, I've given you both. I've given you power. I've given you dunamis, where we get our word dynamite explosive power, and I've given you exosia, which is authority, over all the power of the enemy. That's what's been given to us. If, we're not, if we don't acknowledge that, then it can be in us and lie dormant, and we'll be a well and not a river. And where we miss it, I believe, is that we think the gifts of the Spirit are for us. He said the gifts of the Spirit are for all that all will profit. They're not for me. I have the privilege as I'm connected to the vine that his power flows through me and the gifts of the Spirit work in my life to minister to others. But you know what's so beautiful about it? The life that flows through me still touches me. (laughs) Break so you can catch up. He said, there's diversity of gifts, but the same spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And there's diversities of activities, but it's the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For, For to one is given the word of wisdom through the spirit. To another, the word of knowledge through the same spirit. 
to another faith by, by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healings by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing them to each one individually as he wills. For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. So what is he saying? What are you saying? Thank you for asking. What I'm saying is this. In this body, there are different gifts. And if you try to make somebody else be your gift, you're you're not honoring him and what he has creatively done among us, and you're also trying to make a copy instead of an original. I remember when John and I went down to the DR to purchase the land that, where the Lord had just, it's amazing how the Lord provided there, to purchase the land in the DR for the church. And we went down, and John and I talked about Tim. Uh, he's an evangelist there at Casa Grande. And this man, if you, you don't even have to poke him, and he's going to talk evangelism. It's, it, and I'm talking now about the fivefold gifts that Ephesians talks about, the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. The apostle, he's spying things out. The prophet, he's got the finger. The evangelist, I'm not going to stick him up by himself. He stands up the top. <laughs> the pastor, they normally do it on his hand. The pastor, he's married to the church. And the teacher, the teacher, get in your ear. Apostle, prophet, evangelist. <laughs> Pastor, teacher. <laughs> and you know what? That's how the evangelist stands out sometimes. And people don't know how to take the evangelist because they are passionate. But they're a gift to the body. Sometimes people don't understand the teacher. I, I read this one time before out of, um, I think it was Danny Silk's book. Uh, uh, and I can't remember the name of the book right now, but he talks in there about the fivefold ministry in the in the church, and he talks about what it would look like if these, if there was a wreck and the fivefold ministry came upon the scene. He said the apostle would immediately survey what was going on, and he would start deploying teams to go out and heal the sick that were hurt in the wreck. The prophet would begin to declare, if you hadn't been speeding, or if you hadn't. <laughs> But here's the truth and here's the way out. The evangelist would have been going to every person saying, if you die today, do you know for sure? You're going? <laughs> but the evangelist, the biblical ex- example of evangelists, they also, there were signs, wonders, and miracles that followed them. So they would also have been praying. The, the pastor would have been on the scene and he would say, let's just get everybody together where we can pray together and everything will be good. The teacher would say, listen, I want to teach you the laws of healing. I want to teach you the principles of healing and and deliverance because some of you look like you need to be delivered. And the teacher would begin teaching, and he would think, if I can just get enough information to you, then I can help you. Now, if we take any of those gifts, that's why it's the importance of having all those gifts in the body. Because we've got to have teachers. Are you with me? We've got to have teachers, but teachers on their own, they feel like if I can just make you understand, I can help you in any situation. And is there truth to that? Yes. But does everybody need just to understand at some point? No, sometimes people need to have a direct encounter with the living God and then be taught. Because what's happened when we've got strong teacher gifts, we try to disciple them before we get them born again. Don't shout me down when I'm preaching good. It's still early. And the evangelist, they're passionate, and they can be misunderstood because they feel like everybody. And, and here's the reality. We are all called to be witnesses. The Great Commission was not to the evangelist. <laughs> Hello. Is this thing on? The Great Commission was not to the evangelist. It was to believers. It's our responsibility. It's our privilege to see people born again. Now, we can say, that's not my gift. That's just an excuse. This isn't talking about gifting. This is talking about birthright. It's your birthright to bring other people into the family. 
but there are those that are gifted in that. And in this body, what I want to see is all those gifts in operation. And you know what? It reminds me of the scripture in Proverbs where he says, where there's no ox, the stall's clean. But much increase comes by the strength of the ox. What is that supposed to mean? We're going to bring animals in the church now? No, what that means is if we have everything just like we want, it can be neat and tidy, but nothing gets done. But when we allow the gifts of the Holy Spirit and we allow him to have rule and reign, and we say that all these gifts are important to us, and when they come in the church and we acknowledge them for what they are, sometimes it can look chaotic. Sometimes it can look like we don't know what we're doing. I think that's why I said you've got to have a new wineskin. Amen. Hallelujah. Happy Easter. Happy Resurrection Sunday. <clears throat> I'm stirred because Jesus paid a high price. Not for us, as Papa John used to say, to be, to, how did he say it, safely and comfortably to death. But it's so easy. It's so easy not to have relationship with people. It's so easy just to do life on your own and just wait until Jesus comes and we get to go be with him and we don't have to deal with all this anymore. But he put us here on purpose. We're here at this time in history, not by coincidence or by chance. You're in this room today. Some may be saying, and I don't know why I'm here. I really don't know why I'm here. (laughs) Why am I here? Can I go? But you're here. Because he wants you to know that everybody in this room, everyone in this room is important. Every one of you have a gift. Every one of you have a calling. It may not be to a five-fold ministry gift. It may not be where you stand in front and and preach or teach or, or anything like that. But we all have a gift. If we have Jesus Christ living on the inside of us, he gave gifts to us. And those gifts are expressed in relationship. Amen. Preach, preacher. I'm gonna. (laughs) Those gifts are expressed in relationship. But what's the custom of our day is this. We live everything through media. Not through relationship. We say we have relationship, but we we connect electronically. We don't connect personally. We don't do life together. <clears throat> I can't even remember exactly how the, com- how the commercial went, but I love the commercial of the little lady. <clears throat> and, and she brought two of her friends in, and she put all her pictures up on her wall. <laughs> Y'all remember that? And her friend said something she didn't like. She said, I'll unfriend you, and took her picture off the wall. And the lady said, it doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that. And the old lady... The lady the, Oh, senior adult lady (coughs) (coughs) took the picture off the wall. Bob said, I love senior adult people. (coughs) I love senior adult people. I have some precious ones in my life. (coughs) But if, if we're... If we're doing life today, listen, this is, I want this to hit everybody in the heart, not between the eyes, not your toes. But if we're doing life today and we're doing it separate from others around us, we can call it we're busy. We can have all excuses in the world, but we're not fulfilling and we're not doing, we're not giving to Jesus everything he paid to get. Because he spent three and a half years of his life among people pouring into them in relationship, doing life with them. Discipleship was done in relationship. He didn't have a class on how to cast out devils. Did he go in the synagogues and teach? Absolutely he did. But was that his agenda? I just got to go to the synagogues. I don't want to meet with anybody till I get in the synagogue so I can teach him. No. What did he do? He taught in the synagogue, but as he was going, if, you, if you'll look, you'll see in the scripture, as he went, as they went, <clears throat> things would happen. Jesus, he, went, he came up on a funeral. There was a woman and her only son was dead in the casket, and Jesus stopped. The whole funeral procession and raised the boy from the dead. Come on.
Jesus, I shared this last week, asleep in the boat. And the disciples felt they needed to wake him up to tell him he was drowning. <laughs> That's funny. That's just funny. Jesus, 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 you're going to die. If you don't get up and do something, we're all going to die. You told us to get in this boat. And we're all going to die. And Jesus got up. He rebuked in the wind and the wave. And they like, dang, what kind of man is this? The, the man that's been raising the dead. The man, you, you just, I mean, when you read it and you look at the scriptures where it says when Jesus went, he healed all the sick. All the sick. And there's one reference. They said they just lined people up by the streets. And when Jesus walked by, everyone that he walked by was healed. John says, I suppose if everything that Jesus both said and did was written down, the world itself couldn't contain the volumes. That's the Jesus that we serve. And he did all of that in the context of relationship. In the context of relationship. And that is so vital. He, He said it wasn't. Everything that he created in Genesis was good, except man being alone. God declared that's not good. So he made him a helpmeet, a woman, not to walk behind him, not to clean up after him. He made him a helpmeet to walk with him. Amen? To walk by his side. I'm so thankful for the helpmeet that I have, that God's put by my side, because I, <clears throat> she's strong where I'm not. And I know that God put her by my side to that we could both be who he's called us to be. My goal is not to make Tina be like me. My goal is to help her be the best her she can be, to encourage her, to speak into her, to call out the gifts I see on the inside of her. And I do that sometimes too much. But he's given her to me to help keep me somewhat in a lane. (laughs) Because I'm just like, "Ah," sometimes, you know, I'm just, and she just draws me in. All right, listen, that was good, but you could have said it this way. Probably could have, but I didn't. (laughs) Can't get it back now, but I'll make a note of it. He's brought her along beside me, and that's why I'm constantly encouraging her to be everything that he wants. There's gifts on the inside. There's passions on the inside of her that God's put in her that she'll share with women, that she shares with others. And my desire is to help her be the best her she can be. My desire is to help you be the best you that you can be. I can't do it alone. We as a team, we as not a team, as a body. Team's not connected enough. But as a body, and, and I won't read it all, but he, Paul talks about the importance of the body. He said, can the hand say to the foot, you're not important? And he talks about the honor given to those that are less comely because they don't get seen all the time and things like that. Here's what I've understood and I'm growing in in my walk. When you reject a person, whether it be because of personality or gifting, you reject the gift of God that he has for you in that person. Yeah, I'll say that again. When you reject a person because of their personality or their gifting or any other thing, what you reject... It's not them. You reject the gift of God that's in them that God's put there for you. Now, it might be iron. <laughs> iron sharpens iron. You know what I'm talking about? Sometimes it's iron, but God's put them there that the whole body can profit. And that's my heart right here is that we understand. Take a deep breath. Everybody take a deep breath. Because this one I want you to understand. It's not about you. Say that with me. It's not about me. (laughs) Say that again. Take a deep breath first. It's not about me. That's either an amen or an oh me. Because we have to understand that. It's not, does that mean that I just get shoved aside, that I become a doormat, that everybody walks over, and that I just don't matter? No, that's not what it means. But what it means is when I can lose sight of me, I'll see him in others. 
See, my desire is to look in Ben and see Jesus in Ben and to draw on everything of Jesus in him that there's in there, to draw it out of him for him and to draw it into me for me because he's in there for me. It's to do the same thing for Brianna and for Tyler, for Josh. Good looking for me. There's a story behind that. If you want to know what it is, ask Josh about his Lowe's experience. It's just cute. But we as a body, I, I fully believe that it's not a coincidence or chance that we, the River Fellowship, are still here. That there's a purpose, there's a destiny on, on this place as a fellowship of believers. But it's not done apart from you. It'll only be done through you. When we come and we can say, you know what, I may not understand everything or everyone that I see, but Jesus, I want to see you in them. You know what's beautiful about that? When you start looking for the Jesus in someone instead of what you don't look like about someone, everything changes. Thanks, Dad. When you start looking for the Jesus in someone, and you say, you know what, what I want to do is I want to draw the Jesus out of them. And you say, well, I've looked at some people, and there's just a little spark in there. That's okay. <laughs> you look at that spark, and you speak to that spark, and you draw on that spark, and watch what happens. You know, it's easy to see the junk in people's lives. It's so easy to see what we don't like. A carnal mindset is geared to that. To see the negative, to see the faults and the shortcomings. <clears throat> we see it. You see it in when people teach the word. You know, I, I've been guilty of it. Especially we look at Peter's life. The first thing people want to talk about Peter is he's a big mouth. He sank. He rejected Jesus. Right? But who? Did God pick to choose to preach on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit was poured out? Excuse me. Are these things on? It was Peter. Right? If Peter had been in the local church, he'd have been so far excommunicated, kicked out. You know, that's one thing. And I'm gonna, it's almost 11.30. I'm going to close. I'm going to let you out early on Easter Sunday. I get a shout right there. I'm not going to give you three closes. I'm going to give you close. One of the things that, as I was listening to that message, one of the things that I said in there, two of the things that I said. One is, reading in his, did I say something wrong? Okay. Ezekiel. I was reading in Ezekiel, and it said that you get to the place where your, your feet don't touch. And I said in the, in the message, my first message, I said, here's what I want you to know, church. I'm already in over my head. I'm over my head because this isn't, we had this conversation Saturday. And I told Tina, I said, I listened to the message again from the first Sunday. Because there are situations that arise and there are things that you have to deal with in a body of believers. Because I'm not perfect, nor is everyone else in the church. And there are things that rise. And, and we were just talking Saturday and said, you know, as we were praying about, starting a church uh, because we felt that's like what the Lord had called us to do. These very things that we're dealing with right here six years later are the things that we said, no, nah, we don't want to do it. <laughs> we don't want to do it because that's probably going to happen and this will probably happen and we'll probably offend some people and we'll probably... And, and, uh, and we were sitting there and she said, you know, we've done about every one of those things. I said, but we're still here. <laughs> I didn't say it for that. But I said, I started in this thing and I'm still at the place where if Jesus doesn't do it, it won't get done. I'm not perfect. I make mistakes. And the other thing that I said that just was ministered to my heart is I said, we're going to have soft floors and soft walls. It's because I don't have a model I'm chasing. I have a person I'm chasing. And just as I look in the life of the disciples, none of them got it right 100% of the time. I said, we're probably going to miss it, but it's going to be a place of learning where if we fall, it's a soft floor, and we're going to get up. If we bump into the wall to the left or we bump into the wall to the right, we're not going to stop and throw up our hands and say, well, we hit a wall. We're going to keep going. We're going to keep going.
Because I really believe that Jesus has in his heart a place in Gibsonville, North Carolina called the River Fellowship to where he is honored and all the gifts are in operation in the church. If the, all the gifts can be in operations in 1 Corinthians and the mess that they've got, now I don't want to know. Don't look at me and raise your hand and say, yeah, I'm doing that right now. I don't want to know. But they were having sexual relationships with their mom-in-laws. They were suing each other. They were mad at each other. He said, these things ought not be. You shouldn't have division among you. You, of all people who have the living Christ on the inside of you, ought to be able to work your mess out. You ought to be able to work your mess out. But I want you to understand, all the gifts are operating in in you. you. You, the ones who were led away by dumb idols, have the gifts of the Spirit in operation in you. So he's not looking for a perfect church. He's looking for a church who understands who he is and who they are in him. And they walk in an understanding of the love and the grace of God. Towards God towards them and them toward others. That church is the church. I was even thinking as I was reading this. He said that they went out of the temple to the east. And as I thought about to the east of us is Elon. In case you were wondering. To the east of us is Elon. I thought, wow, Lord, what will it look like when your spirit flows out of here into Elon? A school that used to be a Christian school. Used to be a Christian school. As a matter of fact, Mom, didn't some of Grandma's family give land to Elon? So I got an inheritance there. Come on, I ain't being funny, I'm being for real. That what will it look like if the true and the living God reaches people, hurting people, with the power of the gospel? We've seen little blips of it. But I'm ready. I believe we have a body here that can do what God's put in our hearts to do. Not an agenda, but to live life in relationship with others. Openly, authentically, and to allow his power, his gifts to flow through us so that the whole body profits. Amen? Let's stand.